This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. If you're a new member of our community, I want to welcome you. And we serve you five days a week with our podcast. And every day of the year on Clark.com, our general site about your wallet, and ClarkDeals.com, where throughout the day and night, we post deals that we have curated. We're not posting pay to play. A lot of places you see out on the web, uh, they're being paid to list particular deals. Nope, we look for the best deals for your wallet. We don't want to waste your time. We also have free newsletters for you on a variety of things that you can see at clark.com slash newsletters. Today, I've got a personal story to share with you about how I fought a battle for my wallet. By the way, it took me six months. And later, People are so confused about the recent headlines and changes about how credit reports, credit reporting, and credit scores are going to work, and I'm going to try to clear the fog away for you. Uh, First, I want to tell you something on the cell phone front. I told you recently that AT&T, and this is all because of inflation, worries about the economy, the war in Ukraine that AT&T is offering a plan for one person, $50 a month for cell phones, unlimited talk, text, and data. You don't get hotspot. T-Mobile followed that up by offering two plans for people who are modest users of cell phones, a $10 a month plan that just launched this past Friday, and apparently people are having trouble finding these, but they're real. Uh, $10 a month gets you, a, uh, is for a very light volume user, 1,000 minutes, uh, all the text pretty much you can use, but a tiny amount of data, one gig of data a month. The big news is the new T-Mobile $15 a month plan, which is unlimited talk and text, three gigs of data a month, which works for somebody who has access to Wi-Fi routinely And most of the time they're on their cell phone, they are using Wi-Fi, not the cellular network. And that applies to maybe a third or more of cell phone users in the country. The place we're not seeing cuts in rates or seeing rates go up are family plans. As the big carriers know that by inertia, people don't break up the family plans. But it's become pretty clear that in so many cases, you'll do better If you break up the family plan, you don't have to break up with your family, just break up the family plan and put people on the different plans out there from even different providers that are the best deals in the marketplace to get that expense down every month. Speaking of T-Mobile, I've been a T-Mobile customer 
for a long, long, long time. Gosh, at least 15 years. And T-Mobile went through a time period that in customer surveys, customer satisfaction surveys, they were really head and shoulders above their what were then three competitors, Verizon, AT&T, and Sprint. Now they absorbed Sprint. And they changed CEOs. And T-Mobile really seems to have lost its way with customer service, according to what you see in surveys where they've gone from the highest rated for customer service, customer satisfaction, to the lowest rated of the big three. Um, The company's still in denial. I read some statements recently that their execs have made to the media that show that they refuse to acknowledge the internal problems T-Mobile is having with customer service. What's funny is I've experienced a problem myself And I may bolt from T-Mobile because of the attitudinal problems there, even though the prices I've got are really, really great. I've got, um, I think, 16 lines total on T-Mobile. And so it's a lot involved in unwinding that. But I got a new phone seven months ago. And with it came a trade-in offer where you could trade in certain devices and get $1,000 off the new phone. So when the credit eventually posts, I only got what was going to prorate over time as a $500 trade-in credit. So that began a series of clown show kind of calls with customer no service. And if you don't know, the reason T-Mobile always did better than the others with customer service is your account was assigned to a team and the team would be a small group of people who would get to know your account. They would have a fair number of accounts, but they'd kind of get to know the drill. And now T-Mobile's cheaped out and they're back to using these overseas call centers that really don't know what to do. They're not T-Mobile employees. They just have scripts that pop up on the screen. They can't fix anything. This goes on and on, hour after hour, call after call. I go to T-Mobile stores. And what blew my mind is I went to one and talked to the manager. And she said, "Uh, I see you're supposed to have this credit. We're not allowed to fix it. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I pulled a trick that I have talked to you about before that has generated a lot of both positive and negative feedback. I filed a complaint at BBB.org. T-Mobile's complaints go to Seattle and the Better Business Bureau in the Seattle area. And nine days later, after filing the complaint, after a more than six-month period trying to get my 500 bucks, T-Mobile did kind of a snarky response and said, well... We don't think you were really supposed to get that money, but as a gesture of goodwill, we're going to give you the money because they didn't want to admit to the BBB that they had messed up. But the beauty of it is that what I couldn't get resolved trying every technique I knew in over six months, the Better Business Bureau, by sending it where it actually went to an actual real T-Mobile employee in the Seattle metro area where they're based, suddenly something that had been unresolvable got solved. Now, is it going to help every time with every situation? No. 
when the Better Business Bureau is a good place to complain is when you're dealing with a big corporate bureaucracy that has kind of lost its way and it gets you to someone who can make a difference. Uh, You may remember I told a story years ago when we had this thing, you may have heard of it. People used to get television from a thing called a satellite. Not very many people do anymore because everything's changed. But I had DirecTV, and when I got rid of DirecTV, I turned in the boxes I knew to get my receipts for everything. Sure enough, later I got a bill for thousands of dollars on my credit card saying I didn't turn in the AT&T equipment. And I went on and on and on and on and couldn't get anywhere with DirecTV, AT&T, the owner. So I filed a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. In that case, went to Dallas, because that's where AT&T is based. And that took two days. Two days was all it took after months. And I got all my thousands of dollars back for all those boxes. So again, the Better Business Bureau is just one tool in the toolbox. Sometimes it works. If you're dealing with somebody who's a fly-by-night or a con artist, it's not going to help at all. They're not worried about their reputation. But when you're dealing with a big commercial enterprise, one of these giant, humongous companies, that's when it can make a difference. Krista? We'll start with Dino's question. He's By the way, did Florida. I name enough companies there um, to keep you I busy you for did. a while when their did. PR people start calling you? How do you do deal with all those calls when I stir up we those hornet's nests? We don't get a lot of calls. Okay. You. No. Dino in Florida says, I'm looking for the best Android phone for the money and not looking for cheap. Most important to me is battery life, storage, and how fast the phone runs on the internet and apps. I'm looking for a second generation phone so I don't pay top dollar for it. What do you recommend? That was a, that was, those were a lot of requirements you gave me. You're not looking for cheap, so we're going to ignore the Motorola line of phones, which has been the real value series. And with Samsung, Samsung's confusing because Samsung dominates the Android space, but they have this business model where they have very, very rock-gut cheap phones that use older technology in them, don't have a lot of horsepower to them, all the way to the most cutting-edge phones in the marketplace. Sorry, uh, I should say the most cutting-edge hardware in the marketplace because iPhone users would say that I couldn't say that Apple's not the most cutting edge, but Samsung definitely is the one that moves the market with new styles, new shapes, new sizes, and all that. So if you look at Samsung and you go back one generation, uh, as an example, you have an S21 Ultra Ultra that was a very expensive phone when it was the uh, flagship for Samsung and now is a generation old, if I was thinking of any one phone that would be a second generation that would be the best bang for your buck, that would be it because it has the best camera setup of, in my opinion, any phone sold, including any iPhone. Uh, Do you use the 100X Zoom at all? Uh, Rarely. But so you can. <laughs> the, the thing about the 100X Zoom is things you can't see with your naked eye, the camera can see for you. It, it may not be the clearest image, but you can see things at a tremendous distance. I've played with that phone, and it seems like you see better with it 
long distance than you do with a good set of binoculars. And the pictures are They're extraordinary. Battery Six- life was is good, I would say. You, I use the battery saver generally, but it doesn't run out by the end of the day for me. Using it from you know 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. Very generally. fast processor. And because it is a generation back, you'll find better deals on it. So if I thought of any Android out there, that one would be my favorite. Now, do you use Samsung's operating overlay or do you use one of those third-party? I use Samsung's. A lot of people find Samsung uh, too complicated, too confusing. And there are these overlay programs you can put on a Samsung that make it simpler to use. And you may find that one of those is useful to you. And you would always say a pixel, probably. Also. I was going to say, because Dino did specifically say how fast the phone runs on the internet and apps, and Google just strips all of the junk out, and so it is faster, I feel, the yeah, Pixel the phones, pixels, and those are great. Pixels are very fast, and people find that the best combination of price and value on the Pixels are the ones that are A's. So they come out with a new flagship then they come out with the discounted version, usually several months later, that is an A. I guess they're at 5A now or 6A? I'm not sure. I think it's 6. Six. 6A. So you should find that that's going to give you good camera. But as Krista said, the fastest phone you could use, particularly in the Android space. Daryl in Alabama asked a question that was actually asked a few times in the last month or so. Is there a single company I can use to temporarily unfreeze my credit? (sighs) Okay, this has frustrated me so much that the Congress in its wisdom, when it required credit freezes to be universal in the United States and free, they're optional, but they're universal and free, they did not require that there be a simplified procedure to freeze and thaw. So you actually have to go to each of the three credit bureau sites and do the thaw when you need to do so, unless you know specifically which bureau or particular bank pulls from or credit card company or cell phone company or utility company or whoever company where you're having to temporarily thaw your credit. So, The good news is that so many people have their credit frozen now that the three credit bureaus have put some thought into it and they've made it much more streamlined to thaw your credit. And the last time I had to do so was in December for some real estate my wife and I were buying. And the three bureaus, I was able to thaw all three combined time less than five minutes. So something that used to be just pull your hair out time, it doesn't have to be anymore. And the biggest change that happened was credit freeze has been around in one form or another uh, starting first in the state of California, I don't know, 15 years ago, long time ago. And people kept losing their secret codes. So Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian have come up for the good and the bad. They've come up with new procedures that no longer require the secret code, the unique secret code to thaw your files. The bad of that is that if a criminal knows enough about you, or if it's a family member or friend sometimes involved with identity theft, they will probably be able to crack 
the system and thaw your credit impersonating you. So far, though, we've only heard that maybe once from a question posted where somebody came in behind them who was in their household and thawed their credit and applied for credit as if they're on them. It's an uncommon event. And so credit freeze, though, if you've not done so, is great to do because it protects you from people applying for credit as if they're you, which is something that will happen eventually to you if you don't have your credit frozen. It affects none of your existing credit. And speaking of credit freezes, coming up, as I mentioned earlier, there are big changes coming to how credit reports, credit scoring, and how things show up on your report, how that works is changing later this summer. And I want to tell you how it is actually going to work because I can tell by the questions people are asking, it's as clear as mud. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Credit reports affect us in so many ways. Uh, Right now, not as much on the job front because employers pretty much, they check, do you have a pulse? Yeah, we'll take you. But when people were not in such demand for jobs, a lot of people would not get a job because of negative information on their credit report. What you pay for auto or homeowner's insurance based on what's on your credit report. There's a unique score use, scoring system used for things like applying for a car loan, applying for a mortgage, specialized reporting services, and all the rest. And there's been a big roadblock for people who maybe have handled their credit perfectly year after year after year, or occasionally will have a little blemish, but then something will come in like a sledgehammer and demolish their ability to get credit, to maintain a job they have, get a job they want, get good auto insurance or homeowner's insurance. Uh, There are a variety of factors that are controlled by the reports or the three-digit scores. So the credit bureaus over the years have collected an extreme amount of data, and they've marketed that to businesses and to lenders and to banks as look how comprehensive we are. We collect this and we collect that and we collect this other information on your potential customer, borrower, whatever. And they kind of got out of control. 
And there were all kinds of errors involved with the information they were collecting. There was a lot of public record stuff that was messed up. They were using third parties to provide that data to them. And there were all kinds of mess ups. When the credit bureaus started trying to report liens on people's reports, it would turn out that they'd report on Krista that she had a lien, but it was a completely different Krista, spelled differently, who was different age, blah, blah, blah. Um, And it was like, oh, oh, well. And it was always a game of horseshoes, just kind of trying to get it close. So a lot of those kind of things that used to foul people up no longer are allowed on credit reports. And that's something the bureaus did themselves to stop all the legal actions against them. Well, now there's been a huge push by the regulators at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to get the credit bureaus to get it together and the collection agencies and all the rest on medical debt. Medical debt is the number one reason that somebody's credit gets trashed. And unfortunately, a huge amount of what was being reported on people's credit reports about medical bills wasn't even accurate. And it was messing people up for seven years. It was even tiny amounts of money that would come along and mess people up. So now the credit bureaus facing the threat of severe regulations from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they had no idea where they'd start, but more important, what they would encompass and where they would end, they voluntarily, at the point of a gun, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian now are changing starting the second half of summer, phasing in starting in July, what information about medical will be reported and when it will be reported and how much debt it has to be for it to be reported. So now something that is striking terror in the hearts of collection agencies is they will no longer be able to use the threat of a small medical bill to ruin you for seven years. What is considered to be small? $499 or less. And if you do owe a bill, you're supposed to pay it, right? And there are circumstances that if you just ignore a bill, and you tell them to get lost, that that can ultimately end up on your credit. But that's just one part of it. Because the shocking thing is we're close to two-thirds of all collections efforts in the United States being for medical debt. Two-thirds! And so you have this situation where people who are very careful, take good care of their bills and all that, and maybe have health insurance. And a doctor's office or a lab or somebody will send a bill to, let's say, an old address for you, something like that. Never makes it to you. And then they just assume you ignored them. They turn it over to a collector, and the collector gets to have fun trying to ruin your life, but no more. Because now, once that bill shows up, even if it's larger than that, if you know that the bill's there, you recognize it as a legitimate bill, you're going to be able to pay it, and then that will not show up on your file anymore, where in the old days, which are actually today, because this stuff doesn't go into effect until later this year, that will not 
show up anymore. It will vanish like it was never there and no longer hurt your credit. So basically, that year is your get out of free jail card. You will have a year, even if it's a legitimate medical debt and you just don't have the money right now, you get it taken care of in a year, it will not harm you in the future like it would in the past. And I'm giving you just a little brief look at the changes coming. And we will at Clark.com, as we approach the summer, we will have a how-to guide, how to navigate medical debt under the new rules and make sure that you know how it plays. And you're not going to say, oh, I should go read that today because I just want to go bore myself reading about medical debt. But if you have one and you don't know your rights and how to deal with it, we're going to be there. We're going to have your back and we're going to protect you. Krista? Okay, this is from Michael in North Carolina. Clark, I'm a season ticket holder for the World Champion Braves. I live in North Carolina, so I have to resell the majority of games on StubHub. I received notice from StubHub that my 2022 sales will be, will be reported to the IRS. Let's say StubHub reports $2,500 of sales next year, but my actual this year, but my actual cost to buy the season tickets up front is $2,500. I shouldn't actually owe any taxes, right? That is correct. I mean, so this is something we took a lot of questions about, uh, I guess, a couple of months ago about how the money you get as a business owner through Venmo or Cash App or something like that, that you're going to get a 1099 for it. There are any of a number of things you do now that are going to generate a 1099, um, you know, sellers on eBay. There are a bunch of things. Just because you get the 1099 doesn't mean you owe any money. In this case, uh, where Michael has these season tickets, as long as he doesn't net a profit from them, there's no tax consequence. And it's just like a gambler. So if you're a gambler, like you are, Krista. Yes. And you win a lot of money. I don't know. I've watched you lose money before in a casino. Anyway, if you have all your losses as well that you've had over the years, you can offset and there's no tax. It's like people with lottery tickets You know, the lottery is set up, the house wins most of the time, but if you're a regular player of the lottery, keep all your losses because generally you will be able to set off everything you paid for them against when you do hit that lucky ticket and you win that money, that that can be an offset. Not that you're recommending anyone play the lottery. I never recommend anybody play the lottery. You know, they'll have those giant jackpots and people lining up to buy tickets. Never this guy. Not going to happen. This is from Bella in Oregon. As a landlord of a single family house, my tenants now wish to pay me electronically, either through a pay app like Venmo or through the bank. Are these pay apps safe and do they charge me to use them? And how would I take their payments to my account from theirs? Okay, so if you receive payments, this is like almost tied in with the last question. If you receive payments through one of the payment apps, on a regular basis, they may charge you to receive those payments. It can be like 1.9% or something. And that's even without, that's them paying from their checking account or savings account to you. You would still potentially have to pay uh, somewhere close to 2%. If you take credit cards, then that's on top of it. If somebody wants to pay you electronically, 
the best way for you is for them to set up automatic bill pay, which pretty much every credit union and bank, and obviously every online bank offers, typically for free, very unusual, you have to pay for it. And it just sets up to pay the rent automatically on the first day of the month or whatever date it is, costs you nothing and costs them nothing. And you don't have to make that phone call, hey, where's my rent? Where's my rent? That's the easiest. Now, the other thing is they can potentially pay by ACH. And that means you would be disclosing your checking account number and routing number to your tenant. Makes me very uncomfortable for you to do that. So I think electronic bill pay is my favorite way for them to pay you. Oh, they also have to have your information to pay electronic bill well, pay. Well, the, the bill pay usually will send a check if you're not doing it through ACH. So Yeah, that's right. That's but they right. don't have so to do So they just have it. to have your uh, name and address, phone number, and then you get the automatic payment the first day of each month. Um, as a landlord over the years, that's how I've been paid as far back as I can remember. I have my tenants pay me by automatic bill pay, electronic bill pay, from their credit union or bank account. And Jarvis in Arkansas wrote, are you an Amazon Prime member? If so, have you noticed the two-day shipping is gone? On some low-priced items, you have to spend $25 to get fast shipping. I've been a member for 12 years, and I will not be renewing my membership if it continues this way. Okay, so what's going on with Prime? The way the fees are charged on Prime to their third parties, and most merchandise that you buy on Amazon is sold by third parties. There are different fees that Amazon charges merchants for different levels of service that Amazon may provide. And so a lot of merchants have made the decision that the fee schedule they face from Amazon for being part of prime delivery isn't worth it to them. So they are now uh, not part of prime for a lot of the products they sell, a lot of the third parties. And your delivery will be significantly slower in many cases. And if you want them to get it to you in a hurry, you have to pay a charge to do so. Or as you mentioned, you have to meet the purchase threshold. It is a maturing process at Amazon where Amazon for a long time was just trying to build market share. And now Amazon is all about making the money. And that's why one thing I want you to do when you're looking at buying something that's a smaller item from an independent seller, please check other outlets. Check eBay when you're looking to buy something versus Amazon. And check Walmart Plus versus Amazon as well. And you may decide that things are available at equivalent prices or cheaper in other outlets. If you find that that other places are able to meet your needs and you're not having to pay a big delivery charge, maybe you rethink paying the much higher fee with the new price increase from Amazon Prime. And I want to make sure I read this from Ashley in Florida. I just thought this was pretty cool. She said, and she gave me permission to read this to you. Did you know that you're my therapist? I wanted to reach out and let you know how much you've helped me the last couple of years. 
Two years ago, several big life changes happened at the same time, and they were all very hard to cope with. For the first time in my life, I started struggling with major anxiety and depression. I tried everything I could to get my mind in a better place, but nothing was working. I just couldn't get out of my own head. Then one day on the way home from a road trip, I found myself listening to a podcast my husband was playing, Enter Clark Howard. I noticed that because I had absolutely no idea what any of the things you were talking about were, I was focused on listening and not on my own thoughts. Since that day, I've listened to your podcast every day on my runs. Turns out all I needed was a little Clark to get my focus off situations I couldn't change and to focus on things I could. You were truly a lifesaver for me and I'll be forever grateful. I I, I don't even know what to say, Ashley. I'm so glad that for you, I was like a meditation and that that I was able to help you find inner peace, I think is absolutely great. It's, um, it's always humbling to hear when I've affected somebody in a positive way. And I'm really glad that I've been able to be of service to you in a very serious way involving your emotions and your life. And best to you going forward. And I also want to say, before you close out here, I know you hate accolades, and I just read one for you, but you just dedicated a little over a week ago your 89th and 90th Habitat for Humanity homes that you have personally sponsored. And I think it's amazing, and I just want to congratulate you for that. Well, I I am such a believer in Habitat for Humanity is it creates independence, creates affordable housing, and I'm so cheap. And that I've been involved with Habitat since 1996 and put my hard-earned money into it is because I know it works and I believe in it. And I was really impressed with uh, Mackenzie Scott. Is that her name? Yes. Um, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. Ex-wife. Isn't that terrible to be referred to as somebody's ex-wife instead of in your own right? But she's worth $58 billion and is giving away her money all over the place at a rate that She's, uh, she wants to spend down all her money looking at causes she believes in and giving money. And she gave almost half a billion dollars collectively to Habitat affiliates around the United States. I don't know how she picked the one she gave money to, but Habitat is a solution of many things in society, dealing with neighborhoods that have gone on hard times, rehabbing them by bringing in new homes, uh, making homes affordable for people who might not be able to afford to buy a home at regular market prices. And I love the spirit of community as volunteers come together to build homes. And I'll mention that coming up in just a few weeks, we're going to have a Clark Howard Blitz build in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we're going to build, uh, start building out a neighborhood And we're going to kick off with five or six new homes in just a few weeks. And if you live in Northeast Oklahoma, even if you live in OC, come on over and join us as we build these homes to improve the lives and communities of Tulsa. Thank you very much for joining us. And however you can make a difference in the world, we always wonder how we can make the world better. And Habitat's my thing. You may have something else that really speaks to you. Get involved, each of us, one by one. Make this world better.